Welcome to the Author's Way podcast, a journey to finding your voice. I believe that our stories are powerful, our experience have helped to teach us important lessons, and our stories help us to use those lessons to teach others. Stay tuned to hear some great stories and learn how you can use your own stories to raise your professional profile, promote your brand, and become a published author. Hey there, welcome to the Author's Way podcast, the journey to finding your voice. My name is Jennifer Wright, and I am your podcast host. So today I have with me Wayne Mullins. Wayne is the owner of Ugly Mug Marketing. It's a it's a full service marketing firm based out of, out of Louisiana, and they you know work with people all across the country in marketing. We're going to talk about not only the book that he has written. But we're also going to talk about what he does with his clients who are, in some cases, book writers and how they put together processes around marketing their books. So I know a lot of people ask about the marketing piece of their book, and he's going to have some he's going to have some really good answers for us today. So before we get to that, though, um, I just want to remind you that this podcast is sponsored by ExecuWrite. We are a book writing and publishing firm. We help business leaders to get their words out into the world, their expertise out into the world, and help raise their visibility. So if you have a book in your head, your heart, your soul, and you're trying to figure out how to get it out there, head over to our website, check out our programs. And if you'd like, we can schedule a a strategy session for you so we can can see what you've got going on and and see what we can do to help. That's execurite.com. E-X-E-C-U-W-R-I-G-H-T dot com. All right. So we have Wayne Mullins here with us today. Hi, Wayne. How are you? I'm well, Jennifer. Thank you so much for this opportunity to chat with you. I am so excited that you're here. I think you've got some really good insight. I get a lot of questions from people about the marketing process of their book. So I think think you're going to have some really good insights. But you also wrote a book. Um, tell us a little bit about tell us a little bit about your book. Sure, absolutely. So, the book that I just released, I guess at the end of last year, was called Full Circle Marketing, and that book really just explains our thought process behind the way that we approach marketing. You know, so marketing for so many people, authors included, can be this very complicated, confusing, overwhelming thing that they have to figure right. out, and really, we've boiled this down to a very simple process that we call the natural progression. And the beautiful thing, Jennifer, about the natural progression is this. It's based on human psychology. So it doesn't matter if you're selling a book, if you're selling you know, a business-to-business product, it, a car, it doesn't matter what you're selling. Mm-hmm. Because it's based on the way that all human beings make purchasing decisions, it works every single time. Now, obviously, there's nuances within that framework, but the framework always works. That's fascinating. I love, I've been having a lot of conversations lately about how our brains work. Um, I've had conversations about emotional intelligence and conversations about hypnotherapy and psychotherapy and um, how all of that relates to um, the book writing process. And how you know we get kind of stuck in our in our heads. Hadn't thought of it from the perspective of marketing, but that's a that's a great way to look at it. So 
because we're we're all like psychological beings. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We can't we can't um, you know separate ourselves from the way mm-hmm. our brains and our emotions naturally right. function. Uh, and so when we as marketers, which if you have anything to sell, whether that's a book or anything else, mm-hmm. you know you are you are selling to people who are emotional beings who go through these right. stages. And so that is really what is at the core of this. And you know, if we have time, be happy to dive into that because it relates directly to the way that we've worked with authors in the past, even authors who have gone on to be New York Times bestsellers or best-selling authors, this same framework works for them as well. So at what point in the process do you typically start working with an author? Do you do you start working with them after they finish the book and now they're ready to to market it? Or do you get involved earlier in the process? Yeah, great question. Um, the answer is it varies from author to mm-hmm. author. Um, it's, you know, working with authors is not something that we quote unquote specialize in. Um, it's not something that we do on a super consistent basis, just because of the amount of man hours required to do the marketing of a book. And so, for example, when we worked with Greg McEwen, author of Essentialism and Effortless, um, we worked with him on the launch of Effortless. And we got involved in that process probably about two months before the book's actual release date. And for him, that's when we started. Uh, I had a call last week with another author, and he's actually in the early stages of writing. So we begin talking through strategies now of the things that he can and should be doing. And so, you know, for, for anyone listening, what I would say is that, you know, one of the most important components for when you launch your book is having an existing audience to market that book mm-hmm. to. So for someone like Greg McEwen, he already had the audience. So we didn't need as long of a, a runway or a ramp building up to that launch because he had that audience in place. But for first-time authors, for new authors, as much work as it is just to go through the process of writing the book, you also need to, at the same time, be thinking about the audience that you're building up so that when the launch does come, you have that audience ready to go. That's such a great point. You know, one of the things I've been I've been thinking a lot about for myself in my own business and, you know, for some of the clients that I work with is this idea of community and how to build your community. And how to use your community to help get the word about your book out there. The more you kind of foster your community and and really get it excited. So there's already a lot of anticipation there by the time the book is released. I think that's that's probably one of the, the keys to having a successful launch. And it sounds similar, but but I'd be interested in your your take on that. Yeah, no, I I completely agree with that, Jennifer. What I would say is that, you know, depending on what you're writing, um, so it's going to vary a little bit, but let's say, for example, you're writing nonfiction. What we encourage authors to do is as soon as possible, begin creating tools, begin creating Mm -hmm. checklists, begin creating things that you can get out into the world around this particular topic, around your area of expertise, begin building community around those things. Mm -hmm. Um, And just like you said, build that tribe out. One of the easiest ways to do that right now is through Facebook groups, right? So you can go out and you Mm -hmm. can create a group on Facebook for free. Mm -hmm. Um, You can base it around the topic or even the title of your book and begin getting people into that group as early as possible. 
Now, one of the mistakes that that we see so many people make um, is when they begin creating a, a group is that they believe that it's all one-sided or one-dimensional. In other words, I'm going to, as the author, I'm going to go into my group and this is the, the fancy term we use for this, I'm going to show up and throw up. So in other words, I'm going to show up in my group and I'm just going to throw a bunch of information out there, tools, yeah. techniques. Instead, we have to shift our thinking from a monologue, right, which I'm going to get up and speak versus a dialogue. So for the tribe, the group to be effective, there has to be a sense of relationship. There has to be this give and take. Mm -hmm. They need a voice just as much as you need the voice as the expert or the authority within that group. And so, you know, that mistake comes so naturally to us often as authors because we have the ideas, we have the information, and we want to share that because it often comes from from within, right? It's like you were saying earlier, it's it's we have this book in our heads or in our hearts that we need to get out there. And if we're not careful, we will dominate the conversation. Mm. And no one wants to show up in these groups to hear a monologue. They are there for dialogue. They're there for engagement. They're there so that their voice can be heard as well. That is a really, really great point. And there's there's so many groups out there. And to and I think the ones, like you were saying, the ones that really kind of stand out to me are the ones that are active across the group. And I think that's one of the reasons that I've become so tied to this idea of community as opposed to audience. I used to use the word audience a lot. And audience to me means I'm standing up here sharing information with the audience, but community is really a more interactive dynamic. So I I totally agree with what you're saying. I love that. Yeah, the the semantics, like you just said, make a huge difference. Mm -hmm. So if we do think of it as a community versus an audience, that visual of being on stage, everyone's looking at us, we're the, mm -hmm. we're the hero, we're the star, versus we're in this group, we're here to serve this group, we're amongst and mingling in the group, um, and they're mingling as well, right? So it, it, it does make a big difference. Well, and I think that's I think that's a shift that we're starting to see with a lot of things from leadership to to all levels of you know different things in the industry. I mean, even companies are becoming more people first. So it's not just, you know, we've got these leaders and then and you know, then the workers. So I mean, it everything feels like it's shifting more toward interaction as opposed to us and them. Yeah. Yeah. More more like you said, the word community. Yeah. We're in this together. Yeah. So what so for someone who's still going through the 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 writing process and um is starting to think about getting ready to market, what are some other tips that you have for someone who is maybe new to the game and hasn't hasn't really done anything like this before. This may be their first venture into this type of this type of thing. Sure. Yeah, I would say again, I'll use your word. Look for ways and opportunities to create community. So Facebook mm -hmm. groups, again, if you have no experience, if you, if you have a Facebook account, you can easily create a group. Mm -hmm. It's free. The other would be email list. So you um, know, it doesn't have to be anything formal or official. You can literally do it with whatever email you, you know, if you use Gmail or Yahoo or whatever, begin building a list of people who are interested in the things that you're talking about. Begin sharing content with them, asking them for feedback. 
People love to engage in the writing process. In other words, if you begin building that audience and you ask people and you genuinely want their feedback, you will be probably surprised by how many people are willing to give you their opinion, their insights, their advice. So, you know, if it's something, you know, I could see this particularly with nonfiction, but if you're writing and you'd like to survey people and ask them about a particular thing, send out an email. Can I get your opinion? Or I really would love your help with this question. And and so again, that goes back to that kind of the difference between standing on the stage versus interacting and engaging with that audience. When it comes time to launch, you have to view those audiences, those communities as assets. So the Mm. more of those assets that you build going into it, the better, the bigger the launch will be. And the mistake that so many people make is we get so wrapped up as authors in the content creation, right? In the the process of sitting in the seat, putting the words on the screen, that we we completely shut off this idea that at some point we have to shift into marketing. And so that process is so important. And the more that we can bring that marketing process backwards into the writing process as well, you know, so over time, what you in the perfect world you'd want to have happen is if you start out 100% writing and 0% marketing, as you progress closer to the completion of your book, those percentages begin to skew the other way. And as an author, as much as you know, we don't like to hear this, so much of an author's job these days is actually marketing the book. Mm-hmm. Um, that is why you see so many quote unquote influencers or celebrities getting book deals it's not because they necessarily have something great to say, but it's because they have a proven community, a proven audience, right. and it's all a numbers game. So for big publishers, they know if someone's got a million Instagram followers, a certain percentage of those people are likely to purchase a book. Therefore, it's a good, safe bet for them. And so as authors, small authors, we have to think that same way. Like We want to bet on ourselves. And the way that we bet on ourselves is to begin building those assets as early as possible in the process. I think it was Ryan Holiday who who kind of uses what he calls his three-year plan when it comes to writing. So he researches for a year, he writes for a year, and he markets for a year. Mm. And he's overlapping that in the process. So he may have a couple of books going at one time. Right. Um, for example, he's in the process right now of marketing his book that's coming out in, I think, about a month from now. He's in the marketing process, but he's also in the research phase of his next book. Yeah. So he's overlapping a couple of things here, but he will aggressively market this book for one year. And so for me, it's the same mentality. So again, my book, the goal of my book wasn't to be a bestseller. The goal of my book, and this is something maybe we could dive into, was actually a positioning tool. It was a tool to open up doors and opportunities, not for me necessarily, but for our company. But the same thing applies. Like I can't just say the book's done, it's books published and sit back and hope it sells because you know chances are that's not going to happen. We have to actively be selling our books. Yeah. I, yeah. I would love to, to hear more about your process. One of the things that I talk to a lot is the return on investment of the book. And it's not always book sales. There's a lot of, a lot of things that people can do with their books you know, that, that don't necessarily involve selling copies of their books. So what are some ways that you found for your book that is, that has helped you that, it, that, you know, what are some ways that you use your book? 
Yeah. Yeah. From, from my experience, very, 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 very few authors get rich from the actual sell of the book. Yeah. You know, most of them, particularly in the nonfiction world, which again, I could speak to that because that's where I've all of our experience on the writing side and the marketing right. side, you know, most of, most of their money actually comes from speaking engagements, from consulting mm-hmm. engagements that come after that. Uh, for me personally, I wrote a book probably, I'm terrible with timeframes, probably six or seven years ago. And it was a book specifically about websites. And so our company, we build custom websites for people. And I knew that if I had a book out, that that book would separate us from the competition. So, right. you know, imagine that you own a business and you're you're considering having someone build a website for you, and you're you're going to compare a few different competitors, and one of the competitors sends you in the mail a copy of a physical book that they wrote on websites. So immediately you're going to stand out, and you know, although I probably could have done a better job tracking this, what I can tell you is this: from the from the time that the book came out to where we are today in terms of pricing, our pricing on our websites have gone up about 200% mm. over the course of that time. And a huge portion of that is attributed to positioning and specifically positioning. All of that began with the actual publication of a book, something tangible, something physical, something that we could send in the mail to people who are considering us that makes us immediately stand out from the competition. Yeah. And, you know, I have a lot of people ask me about ebooks versus physical books. That's actually one of the reasons I prefer physical books is it's something like hard that you can, you can send to people. Yeah, absolutely. It's a great analogy. I love to use when we talk about marketing is this, you know, if, if someone picks up the phone, they call and they speak to me and they're like, hey, we have this marketing problem. Um, can you help us with the marketing problem? And I say, oh, absolutely. You know, I'll be happy to hop on a two hour call with you for free and walk through all your problems. Versus if they got on the phone with me and I said, you know what, I would love to help you with your, your marketing problem. And I, based on what I understand of your situation and the problems that you're facing, I know that after a two hour conversation, we could take your current revenue, your current sales, and we could easily add 50% on top of that, which would be worth an initial, I'm making this up, $50,000 to your bottom line. My fee for doing that is $10,000 for those two hours. Now, whether or not you afford that or you move forward with that or not, the fact that someone commands that high price positions it differently in their minds. It's the same thing with a book. Sending someone an ebook. And again, this is, I guess, mostly nonfiction related here, but sending someone an ebook does not have nearly the same impact as them getting an actual book in the mail. And so for, for my most recent book, the first book I did, it was just it was just um, perfect bound to paperback. For the next book I did, the most recent one, I actually did a hardback. I mean, it's a small book. Okay. It's 100, 120 pages, but I did hardback. And the reason I did that was anytime you get a hardback book, it feels more valuable yeah. than the paperback counterpart. So when I launched this one, I launched it only in hardback and Kindle. And now six months later, we're going back and we're adding paperback yeah. as a more affordable, less expensive option. Nice. I love that. I, I go back and forth. I know that Amazon has changed a little bit, you know, their what what you can publish on their on their side as far as hard hardback soft soft cover 
but I do like, you know, just like you were saying, I like for if you're using it as a kind of a marketing tool, I love the hardback with the, with the book cover. I think it, it does really kind of make a, a a bigger statement. Yeah, I I completely agree. When people get this, and even when you see them side by side, I've, I've got a draft version of the paperback uh, on my desk. And when you even see them side by side, it just feels more substantial. It looks more mm-hmm. substantial and it looks more valuable. So um, yeah. I would encourage you if you're, particularly if you're in like a B2B space, like we are business to business uh, and your book is going for the purpose of um, helping position you as an expert. It's worth the extra expense, which is not much more, but it's worth the extra expense to do a hardback version of your book as well. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. That's great advice. Yeah. So, so yeah, this is, this is really, really good advice. Is there anything else that, you know, through your book writing process, any other advice that you have for, for other people that are maybe, you know, going through this for the first time? Sure, absolutely. What I would say is that there will always, always, always be something more urgent to do mm-hmm. than to sit down and write your book. Always. It doesn't matter what season of life you're in. It doesn't matter what's taking place in your personal life, your work life, whatever. There will always be something more urgent calling for your time and attention. But from my perspective, my opinion, and my experience, that writing a book is truly important. And you should always prioritize the important over the urgent. And I think if you Google search the Eisenhower matrix, it will actually show you this on a chart and how we so often fall prey to the things that appear to be urgent. Um, So number one is you have to understand that the urgent is always going to scream louder than the important. Number two, you have to treat this as, for me, I treated this as an appointment, as a meeting with myself. And so I put time on my calendar. I am a highly creative person. I hate rigidity, but I still put the time on my calendar. I made a recurring event on my calendar so that every week at the same days on the same times, I was sitting down and I was writing. And then the other huge thing for me that made a huge impact was having some accountability. So find someone to hold you accountable for your word counts. So for me, that's that's the way I did it. It was based on word counts um, because mm. I know if I get en- enough words out there, right? If I put enough words together, there will be the chapters. There will be all the other things. Obviously, you start start with an outline, start with the direction where you're heading. But mm. for me, it's all about word count. Um, and so for for those two things, I think those two things for. Um, anyone out there would make a huge difference in terms of actually getting the content out of your head, out of your heart, onto the paper is, you know, make it important, make sure you're prioritizing the important, and then being accountable to either word count, page counts, chapter counts, whatever it may be. Yeah. You know, I've I've been reading a lot about di- how different writers work the the writing into their schedules. And there's a great story about, about one writer and she is so famous and I am not remembering her name right now, but she actually made it a, it was, she considered it her job. So she would not only put aside time, but she would actually go and rent like space to, so she, so she went to work 
when she did her writing and she would make sure that the space was set up a certain way so that, you know, that's how to make it easier for her, for her to do it. So I think it's, it's, it's just like a lot of things, you know, the, the more you're committed to it, the, the more joyful it's going to be is it won't feel like so much of a, a task. It'll, it'll really be, you know, something that you, you want to want to do. So that's great advice. That's great advice. I think the other thing for me is, you know, I'm actually in the process of writing another book, my next book. And for me, it often doesn't feel like there's an immediate return on investment, right? So Mm -hmm. I will spend probably six months, you know, give or take writing this next book. And every time I sit down and spend like a two hour block of time writing, I feel like I've wasted that two hours in the moment because there's always something else screaming for my attention. There's always something else pulling me in another direction. And so for me, I have to constantly remind myself that this is about a long-term investment. This isn't about immediate payoff. And I'm going to feel like for me, I have to remind myself that it's natural to feel like I just wasted those two hours putting those 700 words on a piece of paper or whatever the word count may be. But knowing when I remind myself that I know that I'm thinking of it in terms of this is a long-term investment. And the only way to make that long-term investment is to do it in these small chunks day in and day out. Yeah. So what do you do when you, when you have the time set aside to write, but then you're struggling? Do you ever have those moments when, when you're like, okay, I've got two hours to write right now, but I can't, I can't come up with anything. Do you have any, have any methods, techniques that you use when you, when you get to a spot like that? Yeah, I do, Jennifer. Um, So for me, you know, most of the times I think when people think about writing, they often think, it has to be sequential. Now, again, mm-hmm. I'm speaking for nonfiction, maybe fiction has got to be that way. But for nonfiction, it doesn't have to be written sequentially. And so one of the things that I love to do is I will, at the beginning of the process, I will outline what I believe to be the flow of the book. So these are the sections, these are the chapters within the sections. And then over time, as I come across articles, or as I come across, you know, just ideas come, come up or stories, things that happen in my life, I will go in and add notes under where I believe that would fit best in the book. So at any point in time, I can go up there and look and say, oh, well, you know, I could write about that, you know, the other day when that thing happened to me. And so I attempt to write sequentially, right? So if I'm I'm supposed to be writing the next part of the chapter, chapter 12 or whatever it is, but it's, I'm not feeling it. It's not flowing. I can't get back in the, the rhythm of where I left off previously. I will go back up to the top of that that list, kind of the the, um, bullet points up there. And I will choose something that speaks to me in that moment. In other words, was it an article I recently read that I could just start writing a few hundred words about? And so Mm -hmm. I call them jumping off points. I always go back and look for jumping off points when Mm -hmm. I feel stuck. I don't like the idea of sitting and trying to think of what to say next. Because for me, Mm -hmm. what I've discovered is when I get to that spot, And when I feel stuck and I feel like I need more words here, but I don't know what the words are, they're just not coming. It feels forced and and I never feel good about what I write after that point. So Mm. I will literally just stop and I will go back up and find something else to write about. And I'll start writing on that. And so that's the the method that I use. You know, I don't know if it'll work for other people, but it works for me because it keeps me writing. Even though I may be at a certain point or section in the book where I am stuck, I'm working on another point actively. I like that. I, I 
am similar. I, my brain jumps around a lot. So if I ever get stuck in something, I have to go find, just find another topic. But I, I love that you shared that because I'm, I'm always looking for ways to help people. And like you said, we don't all operate the same way, but there may be some people that, that, you know, that that will work for. So I always like to find different ways to, to share with people so that, so that, you know, if they're stuck and, you know, maybe it's another method they can try. Yeah, absolutely. So, so tell us what else, what else do you, um, what else are you working on, Wayne? I mean, I know you have, you don't just do marketing for books, you do other types of marketing. Do you want to share a little bit about, you know, about, you know, some of the other stuff that you do, some of the other stuff you're working on? Sure. Yeah. Um, So we work in probably at any point in time, we're probably working in about 30, 35 different industries. And, you know, over the years, I've gotten so much advice on you need to pick a niche, you need to pick a vertical and go into that. Everything else will get easier because you could just, you know, use the same stuff over and over again. Um, but for me, I, I get bored very easily. I love the novelty of, you know, this morning um, working on stuff for a client that maybe a, I'm making this up, a restaurant. And this afternoon, maybe working on some stuff for an attorney who's a client or a nonprofit. And so um, we work with with really clients in all kinds of different industries. But what I would say makes you know our clients unique is that they're entrepreneurial and they're growth-minded. So it doesn't matter if they're literally a nonprofit, they could be a church, they could be, you know, even we work with publicly traded companies from time to time. The leadership, the, the people we're engaged with, those are the people who have the entrepreneurial spirit and they're growth-minded. But Every day is honestly an adventure. We we love helping people reach their goals. Um, that's what we do. Marketing just happens to be the method that we get to do that through. But at the end of the day, it comes down to helping entrepreneurs reach their goals, which most often they're monetary goals. Um, but sometimes, you know, in nonprofit world, they're they're attendance goals, they're other goals, fundraising goals, that type of thing. So you do things like websites, um, your different branding, you do branding for your clients and different types of different types of marketing. Um, yeah, we do projects. We do. We do um, web design, web development. We do social media marketing. You know, our core okay. of expertise there would be Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. Uh, and then we also do traditional marketing. So we do everything from television, radio, print, billboards, direct mail, um, whatever it takes. And you know, that's what's that's what's so interesting about the marketing world, and especially when you work in a lot of different industries, is that what it takes to get results in one industry may be completely different than what it takes in another industry. So oh, that keeps yeah. it interesting. Yeah, yeah. I like that. That's that's one of the things I've always enjoyed is being able to to move around to different different people, different industries. To me, it makes it much more interesting. I completely agree with that. Yeah. And the you're the wall behind you. I've been looking at that the, our entire conversation. I am so drawn to that. I would love to have a wall like that. Thank you. Yeah, that's a it's a fairly recent addition. Um we just finished redoing this kind of we call it the lounge room. Um but that mural was done by a couple of local artists here in our town. And I love uh, it. they actually did the mural to match this this uh felt velvet, I don't know what the right word is. I'm not into fabric, but whatever it is, this pink couch behind me underneath it. Uh, so it's done to match that. Yeah. Yeah. And so for the listeners, he has a very colorful wall behind him. 
Um, I'm, I'm an artist, so I'm always drawn to very artistic things. So, you know, if you're curious, you'll have to go head over to the YouTube channel and take a look at the video. But, well, thank you, Wayne. This has been such an interesting conversation, such great insights and, and great advice. I think the listeners will will really enjoy enjoy this. So I know your time is very valuable. I don't want to, I don't want to use up too much of it. And, but this, I, this has been great, great information. I've enjoyed it. So, um, but before we go, I do have one more question to ask you. You did mention Ryan Holiday. He's one of my favorites, but do you have any other, any other authors, any other books that you like to recommend books that, you know, books that have really inspired you? Yeah, that's a tough question for me, Jennifer. I'm an avid reader. I love books. Um, and so <laughs> I often find myself in this pattern, and maybe it's just me, but it's like the, the book I'm currently reading, like that's the book that everyone needs. Right. <laughs> that's the book that everyone should should get. Yeah. But in kind of reflecting back over some of the books that that you know I I guess would say have had a huge impact on me, kind of in the personal space or personal uh, world, that would be the mountain is you. Um, by Brianna Weist, I think is how you say her last name. For me, that book is probably the most underlying earmarked book I've ever read. And so it's it's kind of a personal book. It's not like a business-related book. So that would be one. Uh, another one that I would say from more of a business perspective is a book called Straight Line Leadership. I highly recommend that book. Um, it, it's, you know, it's kind of very blunt, very direct kind of in your face, but it's it's so profound and it's such an important message for leaders today, people who are attempting to lead others. Okay. I am not familiar with either one of those. I'll have to check those out. Those are good recommendations. I love it. Thank you. I always love to hear. I tend to always, once I get a good recommendation, I'll get the book. Um, so I have stacks of books that, that I need to get to, but I... I have been reading so much lately and I have enjoyed it. I'd kind of gotten out of it a little bit, but now I've jumped back into it and I have so enjoyed like all of these books that people have been recommending. So it's, it's been great. So I'll have definitely have to check those two out. I have that same problem. I have the big stacks every time I hear of a book, I'm like, Oh, I got to get that one. Yeah. Yeah. You know, with the stacks. Um, and then people will give books to me as well. So yeah, I've got, I've got so many books, but I, I love it. I love having having lots of books. I think that would be one of the things that, you know, they say if you if you go into a desert island, what would you take with it? It'd, it'd be my books. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. So, I'm with you. All right. Any other insights you want to share before we before we wrap up? Yeah, I would just say the only thing I would say, and I'm again speaking to more business owners who are considering writing books. Um, I can tell you personally that. The, the first book we wrote, or I wrote back how many years ago that was about websites, that book literally changed the trajectory of that mm -hmm. department within our company. My newest book about marketing, that book has already made such significant impact in terms of the number of deals we win, in terms of just positioning in the marketplace. So if you have a business and um, you're contemplating writing a book, I would say, either dis discipline yourself enough to do it or work with someone like Jennifer to help you get those ideas, that content out of your head. Because what I will tell you without a doubt is that putting a book out there for that purpose, in other words, positioning and marketing tool, the ROI is profound. Like it is profound. It can't even be measured because the ripple effects of the book, Not you right. can't measure it. 
but I can tell you with absolute confidence that it is absolutely worth the investment of the time and money that you would spend to get that book out into the world. Nice. Thank you for sharing that. I think that's a that's a great message. And for the business owners that I know that have taken that step, I think I think most of them would agree with you that it has it has made a significant change in their business and in you know in their lives. So yes, I, I love that. That's great advice. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining. Great conversation. And thank you to the audience for listening. And I will see you next time. And until then, this has been The Author's Way. Thank you for listening to The Author's Way podcast. I'd love to hear from you about any future topics you'd like me to cover or other authors you would like to hear from. Head over to my Facebook page, The Author's Way, like that page, and join a community of writers, authors, and fans. If you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe and leave a five-star review. Thanks again, and I'm looking forward to seeing you next time.